This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. So yeah, I'm very delighted to introduce today's guest. He's a PGA golf professional, coach, author, and a speaker. He played about 10 years as a professional and then transitioned to coaching golfers and specializing in the mental side of the game. But I would like to add here, uh, or probably would prefer to say that he specialized in the philosophical or the even the spiritual side of the game. And these are some of the things that we will be discussing today. He has written two books about golf, The Three Principles of Outstanding Golf and Take Relief. And he has also worked with athletes in various other sports besides golf, including football, rugby and cricket. Welcome, Sam German, and many thanks for joining me for today's exciting discussion. Hi, Nora. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to chatting. Yeah, I I thought it was uh, funny that you said that you don't necessarily want to see my questions before, so it will be nice to have some surprises on the way. Oh, yeah. I much prefer it when um, when I don't know the questions in advance because then I don't have a chance to think about it too much, so it will be fresh. It will be nice to see where we end up with our discussions. I will start out by putting out the statement that for some reason golf has never resonated with me. So I have tried various other sports during my adult life. I started doing martial arts when I was over 30 years old. I tried gymnastics some years ago, even if my PE teacher was making sure I'm aware that that's not my strength. <laughs> and so it's it's not only about kind of questions about competence or whether I think I would be good in golf or not. So I've certainly done a lot of things that I'm not very good at. But so I have many friends. I have my family members. My mother has tried to persuade me go and play some golf with her. But golf doesn't attract me. It somehow doesn't resonate with me. There are a lot of things, physical activities, movement, cultures that just draw me into them. But golf there is there is silence. I don't know what, why, but something in golf is concealed from me. I know so many people who are passionate and attracted to golf, but somehow it doesn't speak to me. So uh, maybe you can open some secrets to me about golf that are uh, that I cannot see and and access. Well, some people might might say you're very lucky, Nora, not to have not to have fallen for the game. Um, I think it's it's important to realise that we don't choose what we fall in love with. So, 
you know there's nothing wrong with with feeling enthusiasm and passion for for one sport over another um i i honestly i don't feel as passionate about playing the game of golf competitively as i maybe did certainly 20 years ago um but i i enjoy the game in other ways um and yeah i think this idea that we 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 choose our likes and dislikes and our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions is um yeah it's it's it, it it perhaps looks like that sometimes but i'm not i'm not i don't i you know i i would suggest that that isn't isn't strictly true yeah well let's go into your story so golf has certainly been something that has attracted you and you played for a long time as a professional and you're still working in golf so there is something in golf that is drawing you towards that so maybe you can share a bit of your story yeah in the sport yeah sure so i um i took up the game when i was about 12 years old um one of my neighbors played so we we ended up just chipping around the back garden i think my first sort of memory of watching golf was watching uh sevi Ballesteros winning the the british open or the open at the open championship at st andrews in uh 1984 so I'd have been about 12 years old and I think that that sort of inspired me to to go out into the garden and find a find a stick and a and a ball and and start hitting it around and then as I say my neighbor was a little bit older than me and he 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 had a set of clubs so we we ended up just chipping around the garden so I guess just like any uh any young child you kind of you you try a game I, I played lots of sports I played rugby cricket football um basketball tennis all sorts of different things and yeah that was just the one that you know just resonate just resonated with me i like i like the idea of of it being um uh, an individual sport um i like the feeling that that i was in control um i didn't realize at the time that that was that was an illusion and that was one of the things that would probably get me into trouble um later on um but perhaps we'll we'll talk about that you know a little bit further down the line but yes it's um you know it's 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 a lovely game in in terms of the the balance between the mental and the physical i think is is what attracts a, a lot of people to it it's because you the, the the individual initiates the action on every shot you've got a lot of time to think about it so many people would say it's probably the hardest game of all in terms of the mental side of it because it's not reactive um most other sports have a small amount of of you know dead ball activity if you want to call it like that but a lot of the time you're in the flow of the game and you're just you're just reacting instinctively whereas golf you know gives you every opportunity to get in your own way and not be instinctive and i think that's what that's what sort of fascinated me about when i started coaching that yeah the mental aspect of it is 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 the thing that i think really really sort of yeah gets gets me going and and, and i'm i'm still Im- immensely curious about it mhm yeah and you already mentioned that there was this idea of being in control and that maybe got you some trouble later on if you think back at your athletic career and and those years in in professional golf playing yourself 
is there something you hope that you have known by that time or or you hope that you had approached the game differently or thought differently about some things in in the sport it's a difficult question because i i don't i don't think you can look at life like that because mm. i'm very happy now and the experiences that i had are what have shaped my mind and my body into what it is today so for me to say oh I wish it had been different then um Mm. yes looking back I I, you know part of me I I I think I possibly would have been more successful if I'd had a better understanding of how my mind worked or if I had the same understanding of, of how my mind works now as I did back then but um you know, I, I I can't I can't say that because how how do you know? You can't possibly, you know. I might have I might have have not been as 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 gripped by the game as I was because I I wasn't as I didn't feel it was as, as much of a challenge, you know. And I was I had been playing it for different reasons. I, you know, now I play it for fun. I play it for the enjoyment side of things, and perhaps that would have, you know, diminished my my competitiveness or my you know the the amount of time that I put into it in terms of practicing and and working on my game. So, yeah, who knows? It's 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 an Im- it's an impossible sort of question to answer. Um, mm. I certainly, you know, I I would have I think I would have enjoyed my time as a professional a lot more if I had seen life the way I do now compared to the way I saw it back then. I, I, you know, I think inevitably, as I say, this idea that you're in control of the ball and your swing and, you know, your, your, your career and your life in general. Um, when you, when you, when you believe that strongly, it's inevitable that you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Um, it's a form of self-consciousness and, when we're in flow, when we're playing our best, we're, we're not self-conscious because essentially we're not there. There's no separation between us and the game. It's one. It's just one experience. So there's no room or no time to to to, to have the I thought, the what about me thought. Um, but I I was the opposite of that. Every 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 shot I was I was thinking about the consequences and the what ifs and the if onlys and mm-hmm. it inevitably that meant that i i didn't play my best golf when i really wanted to because i was i was i was getting in my own way so that's that's the big thing that i would like to have been able to do was to let go of that and and a little bit more and and experience more of a a sort of flow state or a or an enjoyable you know a less intense yeah played played with less intensity rather than always feeling like every shot was you know was was going to define me and 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 affect my my life and my well-being in some way yeah i i think we already we discussed this last last week when we when we had a chat that you see this issue of Often when you are reaching the elite level, uh, what happens is that many athletes will start losing the enjoyment of the sport. And that very much resonates with the work that I have done over the years. And currently I'm also working with the 
stories of young athletes who are around 20 years old and some of them have now reached the elite level and for many of them the lived reality of 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 that world is they thought that this is the dream come true but now that they are living the life there's a lot of anxiety a lot of worry about am i good enough what if i'm going to be deselected life is very routine some of them are afraid to do anything that might possibly interfere with their recovery or you know not going out with their friends because they want to be most certain that they have slept well and they have been eating the right stuff and all that so for some of them life has become even quite dull and quite gray and and <sighs> filled with worries so it's it's not certainly a dream come true as as they thought it might be no i think that's that's really true and it's very common in it, it, with with the athletes that i speak to as well um when, when we when we fall in love with a sport it, it's an it's an expression of happiness we we mm. play because we're happy and what happens to a lot of athletes as they progress and they get better they they connect the feelings of 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 happiness and well-being with with winning and with success and that's natural you know that's that's what it looks like from the outside if you don't really understand what's going on so then at some point it's it's almost like a a, a switch gets flipped in your mind and you sport becomes a route to happiness rather than a, a, rather than an expression of happiness and that's when you've you've kind of lost you, you've lost touch with it because when you as i say when you when you when you play as a kid there's none of that going on there's no you're not thinking about the future you're not thinking about you know the outcome of the game or where the sport might take you or you know what if i get injured or or none of that enters your head you're just playing you're just in the moment you're just in flow and you know to me that's what flow a flow state is it's the absence of the personal it's it's the absence of the i thought there's no there's the ego disappears there's no conceptualization of 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 you as a physical entity it's just awareness of an experience and yeah when we start uh, when when as i say when 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 i'm speaking to a player that they're they're having the same worries that you're describing there it's it's about you know what if this happens or you know what do i need to do to get better what do i need to do to win and, and it's not when you focus on the second part of that sentence you're missing the point because it's not about conditioning or your experience or coping with your experience or trying to manipulate your thinking or your feelings the part of the 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 sentence where you've you've lost your you've lost your bearings is the i thought is the i part of that sentence so i am feeling worried or i am feeling uncomfortable or you know, I am feeling frustrated. It's not the second part of the sentence that's the problem and that you have to deal with. It's understanding what you mean when you say the words I or I am. And that's where, that's where, unfortunately, a lot of the um, sort of mental conditioning programs and the sort of psychology, the psychology that a lot of um, athletes are offered, um, 
kind of misses the boat because it's not a psychological question. Who am I is not a psychological question. It's a philosophical question. So if you don't understand that and if, if the psychologist that you're speaking to doesn't understand that, then you're going to be, you know, you're going to be constantly just trying to find coping strategies and mental techniques and, you know, relaxation exercises and breathing exercises and all of these things, which, you know, might have an effect for some people some of the time, but they're not going to deal with the root cause. It's like, you know, it's like having to sweep up the leaves every morning when you come, when you go out into your garden, you, you know, the, the, the only thing you can do really is, um, you, you know, what you really want to do is cut down the tree. Sorry if you're hearing a little bit of whining in the background there, by the way, that's, that's my little spaniel Daisy and she's just whining at the door. She'll stop in a minute. So apologies for that. That's perfectly fine. Yes, we will definitely delve into this psychological and philosophical questions. Before I forget, you mentioned the word happiness. And, and happiness has many connotations and it has been di- understood differently in philosophy and psychology and in popular discourse. What What is happiness for you when you are referring to that? It, well, it's, it, again, it's, what, it's one word for, to me, happiness is the absence of lack. So when you're happy, you don't want anything or need anything. You're just being. So in you know it it's the knowing of your true nature as it is it, it's it's not seeking it's not resisting it's just being and it you know you could use a lot of different words for that for that same intuition you could call it well-being you could call it peace you could call it freedom um it, you know i'm sure you've got different words in your language that you would use to describe that same feeling the the feeling that you and i would have would be the same but we'd both call it something different if you know what i mean but it's it's yeah. when we're when we're just being in the present moment, not thinking about the past, not thinking about the future, and we're not needing or wanting anything in that moment. That to me is is how I would define happiness. Mm. And that's something that is quite challenging if you are living in the elite sport life world, where Absolutely. everything is structured around your next big thing, whether it's the whatever major tournament or competition or next season or it's it's always about what you do today in order to exactly. strive towards that what is tomorrow exactly and you're you're so what you're doing you're constantly um pushing your happiness into the future so you never you know you're never you're very rarely in the moment actually well for a lot of athletes actually they you know they know that the feeling that they're looking for is just being in the moment and playing their sport but the the career of a professional athlete those moments are so fleeting and then they spend the rest of their time worrying and 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 feeling anxious or nervous or frustrated or 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 uncomfortable and for, so for a lot of sports people, actually being on the pitch or performing is actually their happy place because they can let all mm-hmm. that go then. But it's it, 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 as soon as it stops, and that doesn't matter whether you've won or whether you've lost. I mean, I, I talk to athletes all the time who, you know, have won, you know, big tournaments or big events or big matches. And I, you know, I ask them, how long, how long were you happy for? And the answer ranges from, 
you know, a couple of minutes to a couple of hours to a couple of days, occasionally a couple of weeks, but then the, the, the feeling goes, the seeking and resisting starts again. So what that does is give the lie to this idea that our happiness and our well-being depends on achievements and outcomes, because if it did, once you've achieved it, you'd, all, you'd, be, you'd always be happy. So it's, 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 it's an illusion. It, it's basically what happens is we spend all of our lives wanting this thing, whatever it is, a gold medal, a championship, um, a major tournament win. And then in the moment of winning, that seeking stops. So we go back to the happiness of not wanting anything, which is our true nature. It's how we felt for, for a lot of the time when we were children. And we just relax into that. So it's, 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 it's a release of the seeking and the wanting and the needing that feels good, not the actual winning. And we just mistake that feeling all the time. It's like when you, you know, when you go shopping and you, you know, you buy, you, you buy something new, whether it's a new car or a new pair of shoes or a new golf club or whatever, you, you feel great for a few hours. And then, you know, by the, a couple of weeks later, you've almost forgotten about it and you're on to the, wanting the next thing. And we do the same mm-hmm. thing with, with achievements as well. It's not just material things. Yeah, and I think when, for example, the sports psychology research on the post-Olympic blues, mm. that maybe you achieved something that you worked towards for years, but then is is that, it probably doesn't mean that for the rest of your life you are just going to be content. Exactly. But then the, just like you said, there is a next thing. That yeah. What are you going to strive towards? And if you don't see what is worth striving towards, then that is a point of possible crisis for some athletes absolutely and you see it a lot when people are coming towards the end of their careers because it is a you know if you've if you've ident- if your identity is tied up in what you do so this is we're back to the who am i question as well uh, again if I, whenever i ask somebody that question you know i say who are you what they'll usually give me is a list of of the labels that have been put on them so they'll say you know, I'm a man or a woman, I'm a golfer, I'm a racing driver, I'm a whatever, I live here, I went to this school, I married this person, I had these children. It's a list of your achievements, it's what you've done. It's not who you are. And so our identity is so tied up in the story of me, that we, we actually never stop to question, well, is that who I am? Am I just the character in this story about my life? Or, or, it, or am I something else? And, you know, when all of a sudden you retire and, and that, that part of your identity is stripped away, it can, it can, you know, it can invoke a crisis for some people. I think listening to you and, and some of the work or, or a lot of the work that you are doing would be something that might be seen as falling within the remit of sports psychology of of some sort but when we are discussing it's it's clear that you are moving beyond sports psychology so you are really addressing these philosophical questions about uh what is the nature of reality what can we know what is a good life yeah uh yeah. how can we find meaning maybe you can share a little bit about your journey in delving into these questions and and uh your own search for this yeah, sh- sure. philosophy of life and philosophy of practice as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so 
as I said, I, I played for played for the best part of ten years, and during that time, I went to see a number of sort of sports psychologists and um, performance coaches, and read a lot of books, and and it was all variations on the same theme, which was about you know trying to man- manage my thoughts, control my thoughts, manage my feelings, manipulate my feelings, try and get into a particular state of mind. And, you know, I'd, I'd try something one week and I might play well and I'd think, oh, that's it, I'd cracked it. And then I'd try the same thing the following week and I'd, I'd you know, I'd, I'd feel I'd feel anxious and nervous or, or, or angry and uptight again. And, and so then I'd bounce on to the next thing and it just seemed to be a never-ending sort of stream of things that I, I had to do. And I just got curious because it was just like, well, hang on a minute, I don't have any of these you know, when I'm playing my best golf, I'm just out there doing it. I'm not trying to cope with anything or manage anything or think in a particular way. I could be thinking about anything, you know, I'll be, I'll be standing on the practice ground hitting balls and be hitting some really, really nice shots. And I'd be thinking about, you know, what, what I was going to do that evening or a, a, something I'd, I'd watched on the television or a book I was reading or something like that. I wasn't, you know, trying to will myself into this state of high focus that I I was getting told that I needed in order to to play my best I was you know it was it was more like I was you know the state of mind I was in when I was driving my car to the golf club where you know I'd pull out of my driveway and put some music on and then you know 15 minutes later I'd be at the golf club and I did, had no idea how I got there I'd just you know I'd managed to perfectly competently drive the car and navigate through traffic to to, to get me to, to to the golf club but I wasn't consciously forcing myself to focus or trying to make myself, you know, work out what my foot was doing or my arm was doing to change the gear. It was just happening automatically. So when I started coaching, I was, you know, I was like, well, I can't help people unless I really understand this for myself. So I started sort of doing some reading and it it just became clear that the answer was in doing less rather than doing more. And it, so it was a case of stripping away a lot of the things that I had that I'd believed. And once you start picking away at that particular seam, the threads start to come apart fairly quickly. And I just got to the point where it was like, well, hang on a minute. This isn't about what I do. It's about who I am. And most of the... So you, you, you quickly move from the psychological sort of, you know, psychological questions to spiritual questions. And, the, you know, the, the, the area for a, good, for a good psychologist, the good psychologists out there are doing this anyway. Um, they might have, you know, they've had some different training and they've maybe learned a little bit more about brain science, but they're, they're, they're talking about philosophy as well. Um, unfortunately, then, you know, there are, there are, they're sort of few and far between from from what I can see. Um, but yeah, so I kind of moved on to a, a more sort of spiritual way of looking at things. And, and that's when you start to, to see that actually all of the, the, the major sort of philosophies and spiritual traditions are, are pointing to the same thing. And they're asking the same questions. And those questions are, you know, who am I? What is this? What's, what's going on? What's, what, what's the nature of reality and and what's the meaning of life you know what are, what is this what is this world and what are we supposed to be doing in it so mm-hmm. you know and i just all of a sudden i started to to see that you know once i let go of all these 
beliefs that I had and just started to to live more simply and to to not allow you know not a trying to think of the best way to put this that I wasn't in as much in control of my thinking as I kind of thought I might have been or that people were telling me that I was and as I say all of the spiritual traditions have at the the core this I this idea that there is only one thing going on and the question then is well what is that and so I, I started reading um some sort of more what well, the idealist philosophy i guess is the is the sort of technical name for it which is this idea that our experience is completely mental there is every everything that we know is a thought a feeling a sensation or a perception and then the world that we perceive out there or the world that we interact with we can't know that in the way that we think we do because we are we're trapped by our brains essentially because the only way that we interact with what whatever it is that's out there is 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 through mentation is through as i say through thoughts feelings perceptions and sensations and then you start to tie the loose ends together and you realize actually this this idea of you know our existence is spiritual it's not physical and if it's not physical it's not psychological because what a lot of the psychologists are working on is is the premise that that subjective experience and consciousness is produced by the brain and there's absolutely zero evidence for that nobody has come up with a, a, an idea or a theory you know even even slightly plausible of how the subatomic particles that make up a human brain give rise to consciousness. It's called the hard problem of consciousness. If anybody wants to go out there and have a have a read about it, but it's one of the it's one of the key problems facing science today, and and we're nowhere near we're nowhere near solving it. So, if you're coming at it from the perspective that you know our experience is generated within the piece of meat between your ears, and and you know it's all chemicals and it's all uh, a material process then trying to manage and control that seems like a good idea and it seems plausible but when you suddenly realize well hang on a minute fundamentally it doesn't work like that then you have to start asking some different questions yeah you have certainly gone very deep into difficult fundamental philosophical questions and when you are working with athletes, I mean, certainly that's that's not the starting point. <laughs> but you ask about these difficult questions about who am I? What is the nature of reality? Do you get into this kind of conversations? And how, how do athletes, in, in your experience, are they willing to dive deep and explore with you? Or do they just want you to quickly fix their performance? <laughs> Um, I th <clears throat> excuse me. I think if somebody is if somebody is is wanting me to quickly fix their performance, then they're probably not going to hang around very long because I make it very clear that that's not what I'm about. I I can't fix anybody's performance. That's yeah. that's impossible. So yeah, you, you know, it, there's no one size fits all in terms of how this conversation starts with somebody because you're always trying to meet somebody where they are 
you you have to get to know them and have that relationship with somebody and find out what they're curious about and mm. because because these i mean these questions have been around for thousands of years and most of the questions that that human beings have are different variations of them or different flavors of them so wherever the conversation starts i know we're going to get to them eventually um so it's just a matter of me biding my time and 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 seeing where the conversation goes until it seems like a a logical and a relevant point to 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 to, to bring it up and yes it will depend on how open that that person is i would i would have a different conversation with a you know with a 12 or 13 year old athlete than i would have with a 35 year old athlete but that's i'm i'm not going to be talking about anything different but their experience of the life of, of of life and the world and their perceptions of life and the world are going to be very diff- different at that stage so um i'm going to be i'm going to be phrasing things in a very different way yeah i i think we can find some sil- similarities between what you are talking about and and with existential psychology so that's right Uh, one of the approaches that I have I have drawn on, and and my supervisor for my PhD, Mark Nesty, who has worked in in several professional sports, that would be the approach that he's using as well. Oh, so okay. when you are, for example, talking about this direct link to philosophy, so existential psychology would always be open about these these are the philosophical assumptions. This is the philosophy that we draw on and and questions about meaning identity purpose in life are kind of the real questions to address Absolutely. and not not some of the you know skills and techniques that you might want to use yeah so i'm just throwing the idea out here that it's quite common for athletes to now have sports psychologists its situation is very different from some decades ago when sports psychology was still very exotic and yeah and a lot of people thought that it's only for people who have like big problems you know but now it's it's fairly accepted how about the idea of having your own sports philosopher that you work with how, how do you like that idea I, i love that idea and i think um yeah. i i think so uh, if you if you've looked at those three questions if you if you've come to if you've explored the, the three big questions and come to some sort of resolution about those a lot of the little questions that come up from day to day just disappear so you know from my perspective if if you've a uh, a philosophical conversation is going to almost negate the need for a, a, a psychologist because yeah you just you just a lot of the doubts and the fears that you had don't exist anymore and mm. the feelings might still be there but you're going to think differently about them so instead of seeing a situation as threatening or or, or fear inducing it looks exciting or a challenge because you've come to a, a a different understanding about what it means yeah i i would personally love to have my <laughs> sports philosopher i i mean i've only played like uh, 
amateur sports so i i wouldn't have anyone who is hired to work with me anyway but so i think my own problems and and being a student of sports psychology i i wasn't really interested in the mental skills because i didn't see why i why they would be so relevant for me because my questions were about why is this worthwhile to do or or not worthwhile to do and absolutely and what what is how does this experience of sport add meaning to my life or doesn't add meaning to my life is this something that is worth pursuing and striving for so i would first need to answer those questions before i can think about some mental skills that i would need so yeah absolutely and i think you know what you will find is that if you've if you've thought about those questions and and considered them in in some depth then you won't need the mental skills and the techniques anyway because you'll just go out and play you know you you as i say m- most most of this process is about, is about stripping away it's not about adding and what's left when you've stripped everything away is just the game. You just play. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.